devil. And that's something we have to ask ourselves. See, it's not one who commits sin because if I commit, like, I commit sin. I go and ask God for forgiveness of my sin, and I turn from that sin. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? God forgives me of that sin. But he's talking about the one who belongs to Satan, who is one trying to claim to be a child of God, but but yet living a lifestyle of sin. Somebody may ask, well, what is sin? Well, sin is, well, I'm saying somebody may ask, right, or somebody is asking, right? What is sin? Sin is anything that has to do with unrighteousness, meaning not in right standing with God. Lying, cheating, deceiving, manipulating, right? Robbery, thief, murder, all these other things, like the Ten Commandments has a whole lineup. This, you know, dishonoring your mother and your father. Blasphemy, using the, uh, God's name in vain. All these other things, it's in the Ten Commandments, right? All these things are sin. Anything that would be against God is sin. And so, therefore, if you're living that kind of lifestyle, right, in our culture, right, having sex outside of marriage, smoking weed, doing drugs, and all these other things, these are sins. Lying, cheating, deceiving, these are sins. And so if we're living a lifestyle of sin, meaning you're just living it, you don't care, you know it's wrong, but you don't even care, you make excuses for that sin to keep on sinning, then according to the Bible, you're a child of the devil. That is the definition of that. And so we just, we, we, we must, though, have a, a clear understanding or a differ, uh, uh, the difference between the two. A child of God, he will sin. It's not a matter of if he sins or if she sins. It's a matter of when they sin. And then after they sin, that matters as well. Because any child of God that is born of God, with the moment they commit a sin, there is a conviction that hits them, meaning they feel like and they know they did wrong. And after that, they go ask for forgiveness. Let me give you an example. If I'm at work and I did something off the wall that was not in agreement with God Almighty or the Word of God, It is my obligation as a child of God, no matter how humiliating this may be, is to go up to all, and I have done this before, to go up to all the people who were there present and witnessed me do some dumb stuff, to go up to them and be like, let's say he was my coworker, right? It's little Victor right here. Give it up for Victor. Be like, Victor, it's okay, one person clap. You see, you're doing something bad. Victor, I would shake his hand, right? This literally happened, right? I would shake his hand and be like, Victor, forgive me, man. What are you talking, the response is always the same. What are you talking about, man? Dude, no, man, I wasn't, you know, I was gossiping about this dude, man, with you, and I was wrong. Gossip is a sin. I shouldn't do that, man. I just want to say, look, man, forgive me, man. Dude, you, this is always the response. Dude, you good, man. Don't even worry about that stuff. I said, no, dude, that's not good. I've sinned, and I did not represent my father the right way. And I kid you not, right after that, they just look at me. And I think the reason why they look at me with this, like, this, like, look, it's because I have just exposed the darkness that was in that person by the light in which I stood on. And right there and then, he really, and I mean, that might, many of my, my, my people's at work that claim to be Christians, right? That right there might have been a dividing factor in that person's life to say, man, I gossip all the time. And if he's asking for forgiveness for gossip, how much more should I ask for forgiveness? And you see, that is what a child of God does. They're not afraid to go back and say, hey, man, forgive me. Not, forgive me for gossiping, but not just that. Forgive me for representing God Almighty, my Father, the wrong way. And that becomes a light to the world. Let's move on. And so we realize, that's just a backdrop, right? We realize now in verse 10, he makes a, a direct claim. This is how we know who are the children of God 
or who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Only two subjects. There's no middle ground of it's just me. It's all about me. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Nor is anyone who does not love their brother or their sister. And they're talking about that person that lives a lifestyle of sin without caring. You might have thought, dude, I'm just going through a phase. I'm just doing me, man. Like, I'm just backslidden, dude. Like, no. The, the Bible says you are a child of the devil. Now, you might have been a Christian for a time and backslid or whatever and went the other way. Backslidden means you were walking with God, and all of a sudden, you turn back and say, you know what? I'm walking this way now. God, deuces, I'll holler at you. I just want to do me. I'm walking this way. I'm not going to do the devil. I'm not going to do you, God. I'm just going to do me. The Bible says you don't do you. You're actually a child of the devil right there and then. The prodigal son, right? You guys heard of this story? Some of you guys, the prodigal son. His son went off, grabbed, all, grabbed his inheritance, went out, started spending all the money on prostitutes, sinful things, and all that stuff. When he came back, the father they didn't accuse him. Oh, you little sinner, get out of my house. You took the money. He didn't do none of that. But one thing he did say in that statement when the, when the son was coming off, he said this. My child was dead, but now he is alive. See, the moment we walk away from God, we are dead. We choose to operate in an in, in atmosphere or a life that is dead to God in that, in that sense. Because now you are no longer a child of God. You are now flipped and became a child of the devil. And so God, what God is doing is God is waiting for you to come back, just like he was waiting for that son who went off and did all type of crazy stuff. But when he came back, he said, my son has turned back to me and came home to me. He is no longer dead. He is alive now. I receive him. Forgave him of his sins through a party. They were juking, twerking, whatever they were doing, right? They were doing their thing. But the difference here is that you have to ask yourself, are you living in sin? And our child of the devil, are you a child of God and living sinless? Or sinless, literally, like you sin less. You don't look for sin. You're not out there living a lifestyle of sin. You actually now sin less. Like, dude, I sin less than yesterday. It doesn't mean that I stop sinning. Like, I'm not going to ever sin again. As long as I'm in this body, I'm going to have that wrestle. You know what I mean? I'm going to be making mistakes. But I ask for forgiveness and I repent. I don't live in sin. I actually now sin less than I was when I was a sinner, because now I'm a saint. Amen? And so let's, let's move on. I'm running out of time here, but we are going to finish this off. In verse 11, it starts talking about the love thing again. And this is what he begins to say. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. And he tells you the message. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Look what he says about Cain. Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. He was saying that Cain killed his brother because Cain was a child of the devil. He lived in means in accordance with his father, the devil. Yes, his father was Joseph, and you know what I mean? And well, I'm sorry, yes, his father was Adam, and you know what I mean? His wife, Eve, his mother Eve, or whatever. But when he chose to walk away from what they were doing, but they were following God, he became a child of the devil, even up to the point of doing things he thought he would probably never do and killed his own brother. The Bible says he was of the evil one. And then it goes on and says, and why did he, and then it goes on and says, talks about his brother, says his brothers were righteous, meaning his brother was in right standing with God. He was a child of God and one was a child of the devil. 
And so it says this, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Anyone who hates a brother, he takes it back to what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you have hate toward your brother, your sister, your neighbor in your heart, you are considered a murderer in God's sight. Do we have any murderers in the house today? Do we hate or have we been hating on our brother or sister? We got one person raised their hand. Murderers in the house. God is able to forgive. So the thing is, though, we have to ask these questions to ourselves. But this is what was going on in these verses. A child of God always responds with love for God, self, and love for others. The example of Cain was of the devil, was of the, the evil one, and responded with hate for his brother. While Abel responded with righteousness, he did what was right because he was of the Lord. Do you guys understand this? When you're a child of God, you would know you're a child of God by how you treat other people. There was a time I was a gang member. I wasn't always a pastor. I didn't grow up no Jesus freak. I was a gang member and a gang chief. There was a time where I literally hate human flesh. Literally hates human flesh. I didn't care about you. I can whoop you and whoop you and whoop you, and I will have no regard, no heart for you at all. It would not matter to me. Blood, it don't make a difference. I would smack your mom. I would do stupid stuff as a sinner, as a gang member. I beat up Christians or whatever on bikes and try to preach to me, left them underneath little porches or whatever, did not care about the human flesh. But the moment I got saved, something happened to my heart. I began to love other human beings. I began to show them my love by how I served them, how I loved on them, how I cared about their weakness, how I cared about their lack of having things. I loved them because God realized that God loved me. And that was the automatic response of a child of God. And the question is, are you loving people today? Are you a child of God that shows it by your actions? Or are you really a child of the devil just hanging around Christians today? That's a question you got to ask yourself. And it says, do not be surprised that the world hates you because we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Listen to this. Our life bothers the world because we represent the light that show others, others their darkness as in Cain and Abel. Why did Cain hate Abel? Because Cain or because Abel was walking with God. Abel was loving on his brother because he was loving on God. And because God was loving him. And so what happened with Cain, envy and murder grew in his heart. That he started looking at, look at my brother. Always in church and stuff, trying to preach and stuff like that. Loving on other people, wanting to give God all his first things and pay his tithes and offerings. Hate this dude. I hate him. And the moment he realized that God had rejected him because he started following the evil one, he turned around and said, I'm going to kill this dude. He took him to a, a nice little vineyard or whatever grabbed the big old rock, and bashed his head in and killed him. And why was that? It was because the world, the world hates the children of God because it exposes the darkness in them. And so we have to understand in this room, becoming a Christian, man, is countercultural as they didn't get that question. But it goes against the things of this world. And the thing about it, you guys already noticed in school, the moment you say you're a Christian, people are against you. 
The moment you do something opposite of what somebody else or the norm does, they go against you. I work in an alternative high school, right? I had this girl, whatever, she wanted to be a model. I kid you not. She's like, I'm, I'm trying to be a model, whatever. She took these little pictures or whatever. You know what I mean? The pictures were whatever, right? The whole thing is, though, right, she wanted to be a model. She didn't want to be a gang member. She didn't want to sell drugs. She didn't want to be a deadbeat mom. She, none of that. She just wanted to, be a, she wanted to do something different in the culture. Would you believe they came against her the moment they heard that? They even came at me and said that, Mr. Ramos, you can't even believe this. You ain't going to believe this. I'm like, what you talking about? You see old girl right there? Yeah. She wants to be a model. Stupid old girl. What? I'm, I'm looking. I'm like, what? what? What's wrong with that? She thinks she all that now. She want to be a model. Like, come on, really? And I'm like, well, what are you going to be? Well, I ain't going to be nothing. You going to college? No, I just want to get my high school diploma. That's going back to the block. What? Why is that cool? Like, what happened to you? You know what I mean? But the thing is, the reason why they went against her, right, was because nobody else was trying to be what she was on. Everybody else just wanted to go to the hood, listen to their music, shoot people, smoke drugs, have hotel parties, have sex, have babies, abort them, and then go from there. That's all they wanted to do. So when somebody does opposite of what they want to do, they start pointing fingers and said, you think you're better than us. You ain't nothing but stupid. And so when we become a Christian, it's nothing different. In fact, it's even worse if you look at the news in the Middle East. If you're a Christian, they're cutting off your head. They're taking your wife. They're raping your children. If you're a Christian in the Middle East right now, you are dying by the hundreds. They are blowing up churches right now. In the Middle East, we could be having a service like this. Somebody come in and throw three grenades and blow us all up because you're a Christian. The thing is, they did the same with Jesus Christ. And he was our creator. He died for our sins. The Bible says in John chapter 1, he came to the world who he created, but yet the world did not even recognize him. They didn't even receive him. They didn't do nothing with him. The darkness was so strong. Like, dude, we didn't even try to hear you. And in fact, you keep that up and we'll kill you. And that's exactly what they did. They killed him. We killed Jesus by our sin, by our rejection of him. And so although the world hates us, we must continue to love them in hopes to love them all the way to Jesus and salvation, which then God can save them through Jesus Christ. See, I'm going to tell you guys something right now. I'm not going to tell you no lie. Becoming a Christian is serious business. And I'm, talk- I'm not talking about a bootleg Christian like, dude, I'm a Christian, but I smoke weed over here and I have sex. And just, you know, no, you're not really a Christian. You're practicing sin according to the Bible. You're a son of the devil. Today, you should repent, meaning ask God for forgiveness and become a child of God before it's really too late and you start spending eternity with the devil, your father. Repent. Turn from God. Turn from the enemy to God. But I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to be totally honest. God is calling us to stand on our faith and represent Jesus Christ as Lord, as Savior. And that you cannot, the Bible says, if you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you when I come in my Father's glory with all his angels. Meaning when he comes back, because he is coming back, I can't wait to preach a message like that. When he comes back, he's not coming back, little baby Jesus in the manger. Oh, Tito, ooh, you know, come on. We got little rattlers for Jesus. No, he ain't coming back like that. He's coming back to judge the world. The Bible says he will have fire in his eyes. He will have a tongue that's almost like a serpent, like a double-edged sword, the word of God. He will come to destroy and judge the earth. And he's not coming for those who are ashamed of him. 
No, no, I'm not going to say not. I'm not a Christian. Dude, I'm one of y'all. What's up, man? Throwing up gang signs, chilling with gang members. But low-key, you look low-key Christian. He ain't coming for those who are ashamed of him. He's coming for those who stand on the fact that I'm a Jesus freak. You can take my head. You can kill my children. It don't make a difference. I am a Christian till death brings me into eternity. That's what happens. That's the kind of people Jesus Christ is coming back for. But he is not coming back for those who are ashamed of him. The Bible says, I will be ashamed of you when I come back. That is serious. And so, therefore, we don't let the, the threats of the world or the hatred of the world affect us. If anything, the Bible talks about love your enemies. When they do evil, don't repay evil with evil. You repay evil with good. The Bible says do good to your enemies, and it'll be like coal, hot coals on his head. You know why it says that in Scripture for those of you guys who actually read your Bible? You know why it says that? Because your enemy will not be able to understand, why does this dude keep loving me? I hate this dude. I keep on treating him, and he keeps bringing me Snickers. I keep on talking about him, and he brings me scriptures. Like, I don't know what's going on. And they can't take it, so it's like hot burning coals on their head because it affects their brain. But eventually, it would affect them so much that they're going to one day go through with some drama, and they're going to know exactly who to go to, their enemy who loves Jesus. And it happened to me. And they're going to come up to you and be like, dude, I know we got our differences, man, but... And this happened when I, I got saved when I was in Carcer. This man was facing 30 years to life. And he came up to me, right? Same dude. He had robbed from, well, he robbed from my, my celly, but God told me to give him my stuff and don't let him take my celly stuff. So I did that. I, whatever. I'll tell you the story later on if some of you guys want to hear it. The end result was I grabbed him by the face and I told him, you are going to call off for God and God is going to remember this day. And at that moment, you're going to know what it is. And I kid you not, I ended up seeing that brother. He wanted me to pray for him, my enemy. He could not understand why I kept loving him. And he came to me that day, and he knew exactly who to go to. I need prayer. Ramos, I need prayer. And I prayed for him. I did pray for him. But he was in the mercy seat of God. The man got life in prison. That's, that's just what happened. God is, shows favor on who he shows favor to, grace on who he shows grace to. The point of the matter is, I love my enemies. And therefore, that same thing, I pray he got saved today, but who knows? The point of the matter is, we ought to love God more than we love this world. And we ought to love God to such a degree that we don't care what the world says. We don't care which direction the world's going. We don't follow the world, we follow God. Amen? Let me go on ahead and try to wrap this up real fast. This is how we know what love is. It says, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That is how we know we love God. We must love with actions and not just words. Do I have any action people in the house today? Right? Any action? You can give it up. You can clap. It's okay, right? Do we have any action people in this house? Are there any children of God who live it out by actions? And if you're not, it's okay. Today you will have the opportunity to say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I want him to forgive me of my sins. Christianity is the only religion, but it's not a religion. It's a relationship with God that has to submit to God's finished work rather than trying to finish the work and then hope that God lets you into heaven. It don't work like that. With Christianity, Jesus Christ did the finished work. All we need to now do is bow down and submit to the Lord to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and belief in Jesus Christ's name. It says, Jesus gave us the example of true love and what love is, and it is sacrifice and a choice to love others in spite of their hate. Do we have any true love in the house?
Any God lovers, any people lovers, right? That's our vision in this church, loving God, loving people. That's what we do. And I want to ask you guys some true or false. I belong to God and love God, but I do not care for or love others with actions. Is that true or false? It is false. Some of y'all don't even know. Like, dude, I don't even know. I've been hating these people so long. It's like, I guess I don't, I don't hate them to love them, I guess, right? No, it's black and white. You cannot. It is false. When we are children of God, born of God, our automatic response is to love others as Christ loves us. And therefore, we desire to help people by preaching the truth to them in love and helping them in whatever way we can. And it goes on to say this. Check this out. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love with words. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. See, those are real children of God. Just because you hang with Christians, just because your mama might be a Christian, your dad is a Christian, because, you're, you know, I'm a Christian, it doesn't mean that you're a Christian. You see, what, what a Christian does is a Christian loves. A Christian stands on their faith and belief in Jesus Christ. A Christian lives for God with actions. They don't talk to the talk. They walk to the walk. Do you guys understand? And when they do talk, they preach in the gospel. That is a child of God. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, are we that kind of child of God or are we really deceiving ourselves? Are you really a child of the devil? It's a serious message. It's a hard message to preach, but nonetheless, I got to preach it because I'm called by God to do it. And so therefore, it's a question we need to ask ourselves. Are we really loving God and a child of God? Are we trying to fake it to make it? And then if you're trying to do that, then I'm going to ask you, where are you trying to make it to? Because according to the Bible, it's not heaven. You're faking and deceiving yourself straight to hell. That's what the Bible says. And so let us keep reaching. Just, just chew on that for a little bit. This is the word of God said. Let's keep going. It's going to be some encouragement right now. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. We set our hearts at rest in his presence. Look at this. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. I want to spend a little time on this. I only have about a minute or two. We may not feel like we are good enough and feel guilty of not doing enough, but we must know through a personal relationship and knowledge of God that God is greater than our hearts. He knows everything, what is in our hearts and our motives, which gives us a clear conscience through the work and blood of Jesus that we are true children of God and born of God. You see, there's people in here right now, and you, you think, man, I'm just not good enough. Even yesterday, even throughout this week, even throughout this series, you're probably thinking, man, I, I just can't do this. I'm not good enough, man. I haven't been loving enough. I haven't been just doing this enough. And we have this conscience in our heart that condemns us. And condemnation doesn't come from God. It comes from Satan, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is no condemnation to those who are now in Christ Jesus. If you're a true believer and you believe in Jesus Christ, and I mean real belief. I don't mean like, dude, I believe, dude, like, I know Jesus. I know him. I'm high right now, but I still know him. Like, dude, no, dude, you've been deceived. Get it right. But what he's talking about is, see, the flesh will come against our spirit. And so we'll begin to hear our heart will begin to tell us you're not good enough and you'll never be good enough. The enemy will begin to use our hearts. 
and begin to press us down and, and say you're guilty. You're not loving enough. You're not doing enough. You're just not doing enough, so you're not worthy enough. You're not a child of God because you can't do enough. You haven't been doing enough. You haven't been going to church enough. That is a lie. And it's in that point that we must remember the word of God and how we're saved and became a child of God from the get-go. It was through Jesus Christ and his blood. And so for all of you guys that are dealing with that, I'm not good enough spirit. I just, I'm just not, I'm not right, man. I'm all jacked up, man. I want to kill myself. I'm tired. I can never do this. I give up. I just want to throw in the towel. I'm tired of this stuff. Your, God is greater than your hearts. God is greater than your conscience. We have to remember the word of God and what the word of God is saying. And it is in that point when we remember that God is greater than our conscience. He's greater than our little sinful, wicked hearts or whatever that we have, according to the Bible. When you know that, it goes on to say this. Dear friends, if we can all stand up. Dear friends. I can get all Stephanie on the, um, on the guitar. If our hearts do not condemn us, right? If we acknowledge that God is greater than our hearts and our hearts do not condemn us, this is what happens to us. We have confidence. There's a confidence that comes when we make God greater than our emotions and our feelings. There's a confidence that comes from God when we make God greater than our thoughts, greater than his body, greater than his appetites for sin. When we make God greater, he gives us confidence before him. And after that, we receive from him anything that we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. That is what a child of God does. We keep the commands of God, and we're out to please God, and not our neighbor, not this world, not the devil himself. We're out to please God. And this is the command. Through this whole time, chapter 1, 2, and 3, we've been hearing about commands. Commands this, commands that, and we can go back to the Ten Commandments. But see, Jesus Christ made it real simple. This is the command. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another, one another, as he commanded us. We first have to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. See, and that belief is not just to believe in the name itself, like, well, the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. No, it's what that name represented. The name represented one who represented God himself. It represented a life that was sold out to God in obedience, in honor, in pleasing God. It represented what a child of God looks like and how a child of God should live. And the question is, are you that child of God? Do you believe in the name of Jesus and everything that name represents? Because if you believe the way the Bible's talking about, your life should look like that. It should look like that. And so in closing, it says this, the one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. They become one. We become one with God. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us, his Holy Spirit. The Bible says the moment we are born again and we confess Jesus in our lives, he sends us the helper with a capital H, who is the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Godhead and under Trinity, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us is God himself living inside of us. Remember we talked about that seed last week, right? And the seed was what? Anybody bold enough to say it? 
Sperm, right? It was sperm in the Greek. And therefore, it was talking about God's DNA, God himself living inside of us that changes our mind, changes the way we talk. It takes, it takes away that blunt from our hand. It takes away having sex outside of marriage. It changes our life and transforms us into a child of the living God. And so the question remains, are you a child of God or a child of the devil? Which one are you? The one who keeps God's commands, lives in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by his spirit he gave us. If we all can bow our heads and close our eyes, I have three, three things to give you guys, man. If you are not a child of God, born of God, then I invite you to come up here today and get born again. Get born of him by believing in Jesus and his sacrifice to give you the right, the right to call yourself a child of God. Confess your sins and accept God's forgiveness. Two, if you have been struggling with sin, come submit to God. Ask God for help from the Holy Spirit and get discipled in the one-on-one to get help from fellow believers. And three, if you have been condemning yourself and thinking or feeling like you are not good enough or doing enough, come ask God to be greater than your heart and believe and walk in action to his word, truth, and love. If that's any of you guys, if you fall in any of those three categories, I invite you, come up here right now. Let's get some prayer. Come up and get you some. Don't be scared. Don't be nervous. Don't let the next man hold you back. Don't let the devil tell you, you better sit your butt back down. Don't be deceived. Honor God. If you've been struggling in your relationship to God, if you're a leader and you know that your devils have been off, your prayer life has been off, then come up here and get renewed. The Bible says there is refreshment in the presence of God. There is a refreshment that God gives you because he reminds you of who you are. You're his child. You're his daughter. You're his son. If any of these three categories are you, I invite you to come up here now. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for who you are, God. And Lord, I pray right now for my life and the lives that are here and anybody else who is afraid to even come up here, God. Lord, I ask, God, make us born of you, God. Make us born again in the name of Jesus, God. Fill us up, Holy Spirit. Change us from the inside out, God. Let us be children of God, Christians, meaning followers of Jesus Christ, disciples, God, pupils, God. Of you, Jesus, transform us from the inside out. Help us, Lord, to be more like you, God. And, Lord, I pray, God, for anybody here, Lord God, that has been, in reality, according to the Bible, a child of the devil. I pray that right now, God, you will give them a boldness, God, in the name of Jesus, to come up here and denounce, Lord God, the devil rebuke the devil, cast the devil out their life, and claim you as their father, God, tonight, God. That they will not leave this place without the identity that comes from you, God. That they will not leave this place, God, without being a child of God. Lord, I pray, have your way today, God. Have your way tonight, God. Help us to love with actions, God. Help us, Lord God, to love our neighbors, our brothers, our sisters, to honor our mother and our father, God. Lord, to live in right standing with you, God. To be children of God. 
God, have your way in this place. If I can get leaders up here to pray for these individuals. God, have your way tonight, God. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth, God. I pray, Lord God, for anybody who has lost the confidence in you, God. I pray for them right now, God, that you would deliver them, God, in Jesus' name. That you would remind them that you are greater than their emotions. That you are greater than their thoughts, God. That you are greater than their hearts, God. Lord, that your word stands true and it stands firm in the name of Jesus. You are who you say you are, God. You are God Almighty in the name of Jesus. I pray for the individual who doesn't even understand what's happening to them or what's going on even right now. That, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them, God, and show them that you are God Almighty. And that you are the only one who can forgive sins. I pray, Lord, have your way. Let them see what great love you have for us. What great love you lavished upon us, God. Have your way, God. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, God. I thank you, Lord. I praise you, God. Go ahead, sir. I've never been in eyes. Never been closer. 